welcome, welcome, welcome back. We've just stopped our Facebook Live broadcast, and we are on our podcast recording for the Ask the People podcast, where my co-host Bruce Hutchin and I, Ace Luciano, hunter, fisherman, outdoorsman, hunter, uh, I'm sorry, husband, father, and American patriot, go and talk with people around the country about things like freedom, rights, and basically try and get our finger on the pulse of the American people and, and more specifically, uh, people in the outdoor world and industry. Today we got a great guy, one of my dear friends and a stalwart in the outdoor and hunting industry, Kevin Paulson of huntinglife.com. Kevin, welcome back to the Ask the People podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great, doing great. A little warm here, but doing great. Little warm. A little warm. <laughs> It's a little warm where I am too. We've hit a hundred degrees five times, five days in a row here, about a month. No way! <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! It's a it's a hundred degrees here in Phoenix, a scorcher, and of course everyone's stuck at home, which doesn't really matter because, like I told someone the other day, if we're a hundred degrees, guess where everybody is? They don't go outside. Uh, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say they're gonna be at home anyway. <laughs> now, one thing that people do a lot of here when the, when it's hot is they go to movies, which they can't do now, and that's another one of those you know free to uh, peaceably assemble like the movie theaters are hurting hollywood is hurting i know one of my favorite 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 movie uh lines and and series like the de uh deferred their opening and their premiere of the chain of movies that i have seen the premiere of in the movie theater Every single movie since I was eight years old. Can you guess what that is? Uh, James Bond. Good guess. James wow. Bond. James Bond. Exactly. And it's. Uh, I only knew that because uh, I no know how old you are. <laughs> yeah, that's how old I am. Right. True. So I didn't see like the original ones, but ever since uh, the very first James Bond movie I saw in the theater was Never Say Never Again. It was Sean Connery's last role as James Bond. And I've seen every single James Bond premiere in the theater since then. I can't say that a lot about about a lot of different chains, like Star Wars, oh, I've yeah. seen the, you know, the Avengers, right? The big, big, big ones. But since I was a little kid, oh, and I've seen every Rocky movie in the theater, every single one. <clears throat> but yeah, I've seen I've seen every Rocky movie. I've seen every James Bond movie, but not necessarily in the theater. I have not seen the last two Star Wars movies because I just honestly don't care. You're not missing yeah, much. We're streaming. Everybody, everybody, yeah, everybody who told me was like, ah, uh, yeah, you could miss that. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So, I mean, think of the ripple effect. We were talking when we left the Facebook Live broadcast about just the, the, the huge ripple effect in the economy of closing a few things. And people don't realize how dependent we are on events i mean half of our economy is based around and on events if you consider a group of people in events there's a movie every night you know well you know you were talking about we, we were talking about baseball and you know chicago the wrigley field oh, yeah. you know the bars that are around wrigley field bring in between one and five million dollars a day yeah every single day there's a baseball game and i don't know the exact number but it's somewhere in that range and and you know, depending upon who they're playing, probably, as right. depends upon, you know, what, what they bring in. And uh, to, for Chicago, 
you know, average blue collar American workers working in those bars and in those hot dog stands, etc. Those yeah. individuals, we're not talking millionaires here. We're talking like average real Americans that are, you know, good, hardworking, blue collar men and women are taking it very, very hard because they're not able to earn a living. And We're um, about college kids, single moms, you know, aspiring actors and actresses. We're talking about people maybe working a second job to get a little further ahead in life. Uh, any, uh, if you took a cross-sectional slice of America, you could find it in every one of those restaurants, right? There's probably a representative, oh, if you think 10 restaurants, there's a representative of everything. High economy, low economy, you know, rich, poor, uh, middle class, maybe immigrant, natural born, they're all there, right? They're all there working Absolutely. and they're all affected by this. And they're affected through a decision that could arguably be made, was made for them without their permission or consideration. And I think it's important that people remember that the, this country was not founded on the opinions of the populace. It was not founded on whatever is popular. It was not founded on what's good for the most people. This country was founded on the basic rights and the basic beliefs and morals of the individual. That's what the Constitution does, is it protects the rights of the individual. So when you violate the rights on the most basic level of the individual in the name of the masses, right, you're essentially doing a doing substantial damage to the country because the country while it does have masses and it does have a lot of groups and a lot of people you're talking about breaking down it would be like taking apart a house by just slicing out the foundation right you yeah can't certainly not a house without the foundation yeah, certainly not the ethics and the morals and the, the philosophy of how we built this country. We built this country on the back of the American worker. And it's the American worker and the individual in this country that needs to come first every single day. And at this moment, I mean, I don't know the answers to what they should or shouldn't be doing in regards to COVID. I don't have the answers. But what I am seeing is incredibly scary the number of personal freedoms that are being taken away every single day. And it doesn't seem to be getting better as we've gone through this. Um, you know, I'm uh, incredibly um, um, proud of, of our government, but at the same time, they also scare the hell out of me. So, you know, we're in a situation right now where uh, I'm, I'm super nervous. I'm like a cat walking in a room full of uh, rocking chairs. Well, I tell you, and that's that's a good way to put it, because nobody, nobody wants people to get sick and die. No one says it's fine that people get sick and die, right? I haven't heard a single politician say that. I haven't a single person say that, because it's not okay. People, I've, I've always believed that people are inherently good, and people do things from a position of goodness. Sometimes that goodness is is not the correct way to do things, and what do I mean by that? Well, for example, the argument that people have, uh, you know, of we have athletes that make millions of dollars for playing a game, and yet teachers, you know, make a make a pittance, you know, comparatively. 
But when you consider the value that a professional athlete delivers and the billions of dollars in revenue they generate for the team and the town and the, and the you know, the sneaker manufacturers, and it goes out like, when you consider them, their compensation as a function of their value, they're actually probably underpaid, right? And not that teachers aren't important and not that they don't do a great job, but, you know, they're building their impact on those children is limited and it's a public position. I can assure you there's no professor at Harvard that's poor, right? Elizabeth Warren got 400 grand a year to teach one class there. I mean, it's not like that, you know, that's in private institutions, they make more, but to, to, to have that comparison and say, well, okay, everybody should be equal under their comp you know, compensatory levels that's really not a good way to look at things. And that's what we're doing now. And I'll give you a great example. I do not get a stimulus check. How about that? I don't qualify for a stimulus check. I pay an obscene amount of taxes every year. It's ungodly. And then this whole thing comes to the countries and my wife got laid off from her job. She got, she's been off work for five weeks. We don't get a stimulus check. Here's a better one. She filed her unemployment claim the day she was let go five weeks ago. We still haven't gotten a check. Now we're fortunate in that, you know what? She works for a lot of extra things like an early retirement, you know, maybe a nice family vacation, paying for college tuition, you know, the next couple of years. That's why she works. We're not gonna lose our house. We're not gonna lose our, you know, our vehicles. As a matter of fact, we just bought a car three days ago right? Just because it's a great time. If you, if you have to buy things, now is the time because people are for selling sure. things for sure. at, a, you know, yeah. at a great discount. So it's a great time. And this is what always happens is the people that, that have money and I'm not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm certain, and I'm not poor, we're square in the middle. If you drew a line in the middle, I'm probably very close to the exact middle of the country, right? And yet I don't get any money but I pay money. Just like if I got, you know, if I lost my income tomorrow, the maximum unemployment that Arizona has is under $300 a week. Like there are weeks that that's the grocery bill here. If we have friends over or something, like who, who, can, who can live on that, right? And yet that amount is the same that somebody that makes the minimum wage here, which is I think $12 an hour now, the minimum wage, 12 bucks an hour, they get that same $300 a week. It's actually $264 a week, right? And compare it to, even though I pay a great deal more in taxes, I pay a great deal more in unemployment insurance, I pay like tens of thousands more, but they make us equal on that level. So you can't, the, the whole point of being a country based on individual rights and individual freedoms says you can't go by what's best for the popular vote or the popular people. That doesn't work. And this whole thing with COVID and the, the uh, quarantine and all that, that's really what this is. It's what's gonna get us the most support so we can get reelected in November. And while that's important to them, it's detrimental to the country. There is no politician today going hungry.
There's no politician today not able to put food on the table. From the highest levels of government to the lowest levels of government, their checks are coming every day. But there are business owners out there that literally have closed their 30-year-old business that employed a dozen people for 20 years, you know, or sometimes all 30 years. Now all those people have nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I've talked to I've talked to over 50 different business owners in the past five weeks that are literally shutting their business. They're they're done. They're, uh, you know, I actually I actually was interview. I was I was literally interviewing with a company uh, to come on board as a consultant uh, as the crisis hit, uh, and they. Um, as uh, I was finishing up basically our last round of negotiation, South by Southwest was canceled. And that was the first big indicator that I knew something big was happening. And I was like, hey, I think you need to, you're gonna need to stop and take a look at your business model and pivot, begin to pivot really, really quickly. And that's gonna take a tremendous amount of consulting effort. I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not the fix for that. You're going to need a different level of consultant for that. And so, you know, I made a recommendation to him. Um, you told him to call me, didn't you? 11, 11 employees, <laughs> uh, 11 employees uh, yeah. in the facility, uh, yeah. three warehouses, uh, phenomenal company, uh, cash positive. Mm -hmm. uh, today, uh, they are two employees left. Uh, and they will not make it through this crisis. They will not be around in the next two months. They are literally trying to figure out how at this moment to uh, sell the assets that they have as a company so that they can shutter the business properly. That's the situation. Um, you know, 11 employees and an owner and the families and the children that are involved with those families uh, all are being affected by this one situation. That's just one company that I've talked to. Um, I believe uh, probably half of the outfitters in Africa, South Africa, will be out of business this year um, because they will not be able to make it from a cash flow positive situation to make it through. Um, I believe I'll disagree that, with you on that, but I think it's gonna be big. I don't think it'll be half, but the nice thing about African game, they live, pretty well on their own what they're going to have trouble with there is poaching because once you have the animals there they the cost to maintain them is relatively low they are a much higher roi than cattle or sheep because they don't have to supplementally feed them right yeah. i think they, the quality i think the i think the higher quality outfitters will be just fine yeah i think I the operation i think the operations that were on the edge or the lower quality outfitters, none of I don't think any of them will survive because without cash positive cash flow and and deposits coming in, or if they had to take any of the cash deposits that they had and they are they end up returning those back to the customers and they do the right thing, I don't think those individuals will survive because there there were, and I think that a, a good majority of of um, businesses are not well managed anyway and so this is this will be a mass cleaning for those businesses that weren't properly managed anyway well and i'll tell you what's happening right now is they're starting to 
Well, I can just speak from the experience that we have. And in our camp, it employs about 40 people. You know, just in the in the one camp. That's just one camp, main camp. It employs 40 people. None of those people are working right now, right? Now, their wage is what many here would consider a pittance wage. But they have much more important things to the people there, and that's food, health care, right, transportation. You know, when their children are sick, they see a doctor. When, like... Those are a big, in rural Africa, that's a huge deal. You know, having protein every day and having access to quality healthcare, you know, and having money on top of that puts them ahead of a large percentage of the population. Those people, the, the company is still there. The camp is still there. You know, the buildings are still there. The, the cook is no longer a cook. You know, that's that's the reality of it. The cook is gone. The cook has been laid off. The you know, the other people the bartender is laid off. The the trackers are laid off. But now what's happening is in order to keep and help the people, they're shooting the game to feed them. And while it's not gonna have a big effect now, you know, they're obviously not shooting trophy animals, but it will have an effect. And that's the bigger operations. I can only imagine with someone who opened last year. It's right. it, it's a it, it's it's it'll be it'll be a bloodbath. I mean, there just won't there won't be any saving, it. you know. So that's Africa, but here, everything top to bottom, soup to nuts, is effective. There is nobody in the country today that's not affected by this. My kids are off school. My they canceled oh, yeah. my kids' year. <laughs> You know, yep. same now, here. My, my wife's a teacher, so she's you know been working from home and uh, yeah. logging on and having Zoom meetings with children and and uh, you know it's it's a process. And in fact, like here in Lincoln, uh, during this quarter, while the kids are off school, uh, they aren't really. I mean, they're being graded on a satisfactory or unsatisfactory. But they are not getting, you know, they're not getting actual grades. And like, you know, we have a daughter that's a sophomore getting ready to become a junior. And, you know, grades are, you know, matter yeah. for her college. And those are, you know, we have questions as to, like, how is this going to affect your college entrance exams and things like that. So, you know, it's certainly a uh, different process. And, um you know, I um, am watching, you know, watching it all across the entire board. I think we I all have to notice. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at you this whole time, and I'm thinking, boy, you look pretty nice. It looks like your hair is cut. Yeah, my wife cut it. <laughs> well, uh -huh. yes. I have to train my wife. Look at that. It actually doesn't look bad. Clippers do an amazing job, and and uh, you know, I I have had my hair cut now for uh, you know my whole life. I'm 50 years old. I know how my hair gets cut. And so I was able to tell the wife that, hey, uh, this is, you know, run the clipper up this side, run the clipper up the back, run the clipper around the other side. And she followed instructions and did an amazing job. Well, I and I've awesome. met your wife and she's an amazing. Yes, yeah, she is amazing. I am I am absolutely blessed. There's Ace back. Bruce, before we, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. All of a sudden it went a little blind. Yeah, you uh, blipped, but that's okay. Before Technology. we... Before we go on to the next topic, are there any questions you want to ask Kevin about his business or business or freedom here? Because there's another important topic we got to get to this episode. Right. Kevin, it's it's just simply 
you're sitting there, the whole country has been shut down, and our First Amendment rights, the Bill of Rights have been trampled on. So as a businessman, what would you say to other business people right now? What would you say to them? First and foremost, I mean, you have to, at this situation, you have to be nimble. You have to be agile. And, you know, you have to take care of the lifeblood of business. I mean, there is no question as a business consultant, the secret sauce to running a business is in your staff. And it's always been that way. It will always be that way going into the future. The most important asset you have a bit in your business is your people. And so first and foremost, protect your people and protect your team in, in, in the most effective way. Um, and you're going to have to step up as a business owner. You have to step up and lead. And that's going to, you know, you're going to have to make sacrifices yourself. And you're going to have to lead your business into the future. As well, this is a really great time to be thinking about, from a business perspective, this is Bruce Hutchin with a special message about my relationship with Burner.com. Burner HD is a non-lethal pistol that's available now on the web at Burner.com. If you go to the web and use my promo code LTD2020, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Burner products. So again, Let's Talk Deer has a discount promo code LTD2020 for all Burner products. Go check them out. They're great. If this was to continue for two or three or five years, what would you do? How would you? How are you going to survive? And begin thinking about that because I know some businesses right now that are pivoting how they interact with their customers and how they interact with their suppliers and how they interact with their staff. And they are coming up and learning some things about their business that is going to make them dramatically more efficient in the next couple of years. And so this is a great opportunity where certain companies are learning, hey, you know, we had, you know, Rebecca over here and Rebecca's not, wasn't doing a role that was providing the company tremendous value. Rebecca's still a good person. It's just that the role that she was doing wasn't providing our customers value or operation value. Can we pivot Rebecca to have her do this instead so that it's more efficient as a business? And people are learning those things really, really quickly because when you're forced to have to, you know, we used to say it clicks, desperation leads to inspiration. <laughs> and when you get really frustrated yeah. and you uh, really want something, you know, in a different way, you have to learn how to figure it out. And this is going to force a lot of companies to figure some things out that they didn't want to think about and they didn't have the time to think about. But now that things have slowed down, they're learning some things like, hey, this makes sense. And so I think that, um, you know, it's not good news that we're having to go through this by any means, shape or, or form. But there are some things that some businesses can learn through this process that are going to you know, be net positives. The biggest net positive and the biggest, you know, most important thing is be nice. Be nice to your customers. Be nice to your employees. Do the best you can to do the right thing every single day and, you know, grow, grow your business, you know, in an effective way. You know, Kevin, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the uh, I have a, a business mentor that I've had for many, many years. 
and his mentor was always fond of saying diversity is security. And I have to tell you, if I had not taken that advice from them and diversified my business more than it was, I literally only used to have one stream and one line of revenue in my business. If I had that right now, if we were just in the hunting business right now, my family would be starving, <laughs> you know? Instead, I have areas of my business that actually are prospering more than they ever have because of this. But other areas of my business are basically down to zero, you know? So it's, I think people are learning. For example, the software we're using on this is called Blue Jeans. But Blue Jeans and Zoom and Skype and all that, I was reading somewhere the other day that usage of collaborative meeting software like this is up in the hundreds of percent, something like 600% over last year. That's probably a really good thing because now it tells you all those person-to-person -person meetings we had, maybe not all of them were necessary. You know, we can oh, still yeah. get a lot of things done. And I know I, I work with a great company that their people aren't centrally located. None of them are central. There's two people that are at their officer level in the main office. Everybody else is located like regionally in the country, wherever they live. And I'll never forget asking like, how do you make that work? You're talking about the leadership of the company. They said, we can still talk to them. We have Zoom, you know, we get on a Zoom meeting. It's just like talking to them there, everything we do. There are things they have to do, like they'll fly to the home office now and then you know, for important meetings or to glance ahead with, you know, with some some VIPs or somebody comes to visit or something like that. But in the meantime, they're all doing the things that they like to do. You know, they're they're out on the water, or they're out in the field. They're using this the stuff that the company makes. And it's probably better for the company that they do that. 10 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. You know, yeah. 10 years ago, they would have said, we have to come to the office every day and you have to sit behind your desk and you have to use your phone. Now I can pick up my iPhone, right? I can pick up my iPhone and go, hey, we have a meeting right now? Hold on. Oh, I got a cell signal. We can have a meeting right now. I just finished grouse hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can have a meeting. I can sit on tailgate in my I can, truck. I can work from anywhere in this country. And in fact, I can work from pretty much anywhere in this world as long as I can have a Wi-Fi signal. And so uh, I've set my business up that way. I actually have employees in other countries. And uh, I work with them on a regular basis, and uh, I will continue to do that um, because it makes the most sense for my business. I outsource what I don't know how to do, and uh, I only hire people, you know, I'm, the, I'm a sole proprietor. Uh, the only people I hire is writers on the occasional basis. Uh, the rest of the individuals I hire are programmers. Uh, I have a virtual assistant that works for me full time and has for going on 10 years. Uh, I basically, right now, I, she is the only person in her uh, family of 11, wow. including her grandparents and her parents and her brothers and sisters. Uh, she is the only one that is able to work. And wow. so I'm supporting all of them. And I'm happy to do it. I mean, honestly, she does great work. And, and uh, you know, she has been a vital part of uh, the success of growing my business over the past uh, 14 years. Um, she's been with me nine years now. So, um, let's, you know, speaking about that, you, you mentioned international. And that made yep. me think of another topic that I wanted to get to while we have you on the podcast. Um, Canada, our neighbors to the north, 
Yep. They just had, you know, it's funny, this podcast is all about freedom and we ask the people what their thoughts are on freedom. There was just a pretty significant mass shooting in Canada and the prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, who, you know, everybody knows I have some pretty strong opinions. My opinion of him is not very high. Let's, let's just keep it professional and nice. I do not have a high opinion of him as a leader. However, uh, I think that what they just did in Canada was not only an abuse of the rights of, an indi of the individual, but I think it was nothing more than a government take of power. And that is they have instituted another and even more strict gun ban in Canada. In Canada, you already could not own a handgun without very, very strict licensing and permitting. And even then, it was only on the rarest of occasions that those permits were given. Now they've passed one of these, quote, assault weapons bills, right? Where we nobody knows what an assault weapon is. It's like that famous question about what is pornography and the justice, uh, you know, I think it was the Supreme Court justice said, it may have been a senator said, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I know it when I see it. You know, that's how they're describing an assault weapon. They're essentially describing an assault weapon by strictly cosmetic differences between that and your average sporting weapon, like a hunting rifle or a hunting shotgun. And in this latest ban have swept up a great deal of common sporting rifles and calibers in the ban. And their attitude is, well, that's okay because we're gonna give you full market value of that weapon, you know, before we take it from you. Your thoughts on that? Uh, my, <laughs> um, I hope that Canada floods our market with uh, all of those weapons if that they're actually gonna take them. I mean, at least they, they'd be smart enough to sell them back to Americans. I'll be happy to buy them. Um, it's appalling uh, what Canada has done. Um, they are subjecting their citizens to a uh, situation in which they will not be able to protect themselves in the face of tyranny. And that is a very, very scary situation to be in. It is also a very scary situation to be in when uh, home invaders come to into your home and you're not able to protect yourself or your family or your loved ones. Really, the reason that we have guns is not for hunting. I am a hunter and I love being able to hunt with a rifle and or a shotgun. But that is not the reason we have the Second Amendment. We have the Second Amendment to protect ourselves from tyranny from the government. And wait a so minute, wait I am, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm looking at I have it right here. It says the hold on, hold on, let's see. The blah 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 the right of the people to keep and bear arms like muskets for hunting only should not be infringed. Isn't that what that says? Isn't that what Second Amendment says? I forget. Remind no. me. I think it says in order the, the people, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. No. I would right. call banning what I yeah. can take. I would consider that infringing. As a matter of fact, that's, well, and that's definition. And that, and, and, and that is absolutely true in the United States. Unfortunately, Canada does not have that constitution. So, you know, we're talking about a different country. I, you know, I think that now is the time 
in which my Canadian brethren, my brothers and sisters to the north, are going to need to step up in their form of democracy and fix the situation. This is the time when they are, they are going to be able to vote in a coming election, and they will have the opportunity to um, de-elect Trudeau and ultimately replace the leadership that they have invested currently in. And there are, the majority of the Canadians that I know do not live in the cities. They do not live no. in, in Ontario. They live, they live out in the Lincoln, Nebraska's of Canada. Yeah, they live, yeah, correct. <laughs> you know, my friends, right? my friends in, my friends in Manitoba, my friends in Alberta, my friends in Calgary, th those individuals that are living on the outsides of these cities uh, are conservative uh, working men and women. And the reason that they have any weapon is to protect themselves. And so, um, and, and yes, many of them also hunt uh, and they use the weapons for a dual purpose, but they are there to protect themselves and their family first. It is a right and a privilege in this world to be able to protect your family. And you should always have that right to protect yourself from harm in any shape or form or fashion whether that's walking down the street at night in the middle of nowhere, or whether that is out in the field from a grizzly bear, or whether that is from actual tyranny from the government or invasion from a foreign government. You have the right to be able to protect yourself and your family and your community. And you should, in fact, my personal belief is that the government should put a weapon in every single home in the world. And then we would have they do it in Switzerland. They should do it here in America. They should do it in throughout this country and the world because that is what protects everybody else from a government that decides to do harm. Without Thanks for question. bringing up Switzerland because if you look and do the stats, you know their incidence of crime caused by guns is 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 nil, and everybody in that country has ownership of a of an assault rifle, if you will. Military-grade weapon. Military-grade weapon. Every person. And guess what? Switzerland's never been invaded. Well, and I tell so, you, it's, you know, and, in Canada, yeah. I get in arguments with uh, with people from Canada, even people in some of the rural areas that claim, usually it's over health care, and they claim, oh, well, we, you know, we're just as free as you are. My response to them is, really? Well, how many handguns do you own? You know, and now this is just going to make it worse. People forget we're literally the only nation on earth that has the right to individual liberty. Think about what Canada is. If you are a citizen of Canada, you're a subject of the crown. Still, Canada is still a British territory. Technically, they have their own parliament, they have everything, but technically they are a subject to the crown. They could literally, England could decide tomorrow, you know what? Yeah, we're changing things up here. You're changing. Now, I don't know how divided they've made their leadership there. I'm not that astute on it, but I know enough to know they are still a British, you know, a subject of the British Empire. I know that when you live in Australia, you don't have the same rights as I have in the United States. You know, they have their own constitution, but it's nowhere near as liberty driven as ours is. We are the freest nation on earth, period. And, yeah, and it's up to and it's it's up to every single citizen 
to continue to hold our elected officials accountable so that we can continue to be the freest country in the world. Well, freedom, and the funny thing about freedom, freedom is not safe, it's not comfortable, it's not easy. And yet we fought a bloody revolution against the world superpower to be less comfortable, less safe, and to make and to have our lives be more difficult. What we got in exchange for that was the ability to make our own destiny. Anybody born in this country can be anything they want. They can do whatever they want. They can be rich beyond their wildest dreams. They can be, uh, you know, go into government. They can go into whatever level, place of employment. They can be a bartender. They can be a bookkeeper. They can be a hunting outfitter, right? They can be a business owner. They can be an executive and CEO. They can be a banker. Nobody is predestined. Your level in society is not predestined by your birth or anything. Simply by being an American citizen, you have that ability. It is the only place. People still flock to our shores for the opportunity at the freedom that we have. There's no place else on earth they do that. They're not knocking down the doors of Vietnam right now to go there and be free. People are not flooding the streets of Kuwait, right? Trying to get in so that they can have greater opportunity there. Heck, they're, not, they're still not even flooding into places like England or Ireland or Scotland. Sure, they get, their own, they get a level of immigration, but nowhere near the level of people that wanna come here to the United States. If you ask 10,000 people in third world countries across the world, if they could be anywhere in the world except where they are, where do they think they would have the best chance for them and their families? The answer is overwhelmingly the United States of America. As long as we can keep that here and keep the country free, I think we will be able to maintain our levels of uh, wealth, our standards of living, our leadership to the rest of the world. I don't advocate we are, that we are the world's police or the world's babysitter, but I think we are the world's leader. And I think that the only way we can remain in that position is to remain rugged, free, and remember the rights of the individual. I'll let you guys wrap up right now. We are running quickly out of time here on the yes, we are. podcast. Bruce, anything else you want to ask Kevin? Kevin, anything else you want to say before we call it a day? I think we just need Kevin to, to wrap it up with your uh, thoughts. And then, as they said, uh, we'll just call it uh, a day for Ask the People podcast. One thing, people, if you have a question for Ask the People podcast, go to askthepeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And, Kevin, how do people reach out to you? How can um, – Give a shout out for huntinglife.com. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find us on uh, huntinglife.com. Directly go to our website. All of our social media handles are there, but you can search at Hunting Life on just about every platform in North America, and you'll find a small presence. We're on Pinterest and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and so we're on all the all the major uh, social media accounts out there. We are not on TikTok. You will not see me dancing. Uh, <laughs> not a part of what I do. I'm sorry uh, if if it doesn't if I can't show uh, a really great hunting picture. Uh, we're not going to show it. Send us your go to our Facebook page. Send us your hunting pictures. Send us your pictures of taking your kids out. 
I don't care whether you're shooting a doe or a pheasant or a duck or a squirrel. We want to see your hunting pictures. We'll share it up for our entire audience uh, and across our social media platform, which hits uh, half a million people across the country. So um, we appreciate every one of you. Get out there and experience the outdoors. Take somebody, whether they're an older person or a younger person or somebody that just wants to get outdoors, take somebody outdoors over the next several months get them outside and, and uh, let them experience uh, the hunting life. Thank Thanks you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for being on Ask the People podcast. Uh, Bruce, it's been another great time. We've gone over again because you're such great topics. <laughs> Thanks again for inviting me to be your co-host. Folks, remember, visit askthepeoplepodcast.com or askthepeoplepodcast at gmail.com. We want your questions. We'll happily go over them here either bruce and i'll talk or we'll have a great guest like kevin but remember go to our social media sites like us on facebook check us out at askthepeoplepodcast.com i'm ace luciano thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of ask the people podcast